All right, we uh, we are back with episode twelve with Mark Rosenberg of Deadliest Lift. Um, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself right off the bat? Uh, right off the bat, I have been lifting for almost ten years now. I have been on social media more active for the last year or so. I'm not really in any particular discipline. I can be a little bit in strongman. I've done like one unofficial powerlifting meet, but I'm mostly just like lifting for the sake of lifting. So <laughs> I've had it's a little bit different than a lot of the other, I feel like more high level people who tend to really focus on one actual pursuit. Whereas I, I just kind of like doing lifts. <laughs> I'm yeah. not really here to to win anything doing it, I just doing like it for the gram for the socials right <laughs> mean mean lifting that's what john calls it <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah to say i mean it depends if you're bringing mean lifting like some people are like i, I like use it like a pejorative but I, it is meme lifting to a certain degree like i have no illusions that these are most of these are very serious lifts <laughs> I and mean, they aren't no, i, I mean you're putting up serious numbers though you are yeah, serious numbers, very, on serious serious numbers. Lifts. <laughs> yeah but yeah. No, i mean it's just it's a lot more fun than i think some of the more typical forms of lifting and it's what keeps me interested and engaged and after you know 10 years of doing the same thing over and over and over again you kind of need to you know find something you like doing yeah absolutely that's that's awesome well again welcome to the show um we normally do trivia with our guests but today we're going to introduce a new segment called trash or treasure all right um, where we're going to go around the room i'm going to say a supplement name i'm going to keep it kind of generic today no brand names um just keep it kind of generic we're all going to vote trash or treasure. Go back. Uh, everybody had a chance to, you know, explain why they they chose their their decision, their vote, and and we'll move on. We'll try to keep it under about twenty minutes if we can. I've got nine different supplements uh, lined up, but if we can't get through them all, that's okay. So first one is probably the most utilized and considered probably the most useful is creatine monohydrate. Mark, trash or treasure? Treasure. John. Yeah, I would say treasure. I'm, I'm going to be the odd one out, and I'm going to say trash. <laughs> Mark, why do you think it's treasure? Uh, well, it's a little bit harder to argue treasure now. I mean, it's been kind of like three times as expensive in the last year, so it's becoming more questionable as if it's really worth it. But I just feel like it's creatine. It used to be super duper cheap if you bought it in bulk. It has a significant amount of research saying, hey, it does something. It doesn't, I mean, I don't really notice when I take it, but I'm willing to take that there is a, like that statistical, this less than zero benefit that it gives. And honestly, if I were starting now, I probably wouldn't buy it for how much it costs, but I've been taking it for so many years that I'm kind of afraid to see what happens if I stop. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think it's just, I mean, I don't think it's anything special. It's not like, wow, when I take this, I feel so great. But I think there's just enough reason to believe that it's, it's worth taking compared to most supplements. Sure. John. Yeah. Um, I would say that, I mean, Mark was right. The price has definitely gone up because it used to be the same price as salt, it felt like. And mm -hmm. salt is like great. But I, I would say, I think it's beneficial if people don't get very much red meat in their diet or if they're on a low carb diet, like, but it helps with the water retention since you're not necessarily retaining as much water because the low carbs. So sure. I think it can benefit a lot of people, but arguably, it's always best to get it from like actual red meat. Yeah, and that's why, and that's actually why I'm calling trash. Um, like most fitness supplements, it's all creatine monohydrate. To my understanding, is synthetically made or made from very cheap, inferior ingredients. Um, and and you can you can get all the creatine you need from actually eating any meat and eggs and dairy. Right, creatine exists in all animal products. So. Um, you know, eating whole natural foods to me is far superior than eating synthetically made, you know, products that, that you know, you're not even really sure where some of it's coming from. It's not, if it's not synthetically made. Um, so that's kind of my vote on trash, but again, cheap. If you can't get enough meat in your system, you need extra creatine, but do the math, figure it out. So next one, um, our test boosters, things like tribulus, Deasperic acid, deer antler, faster treasure mark. Trash. John. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Trash. 
um, all garbage, doesn't do anything. God knows what, what's in some of it. Um, uh, you agree, Mark? Yep. I don't think it does anything. I mean, back years and years ago, my more impressionable youth, I remember, I think I tried, I want to say DSPartic acid and didn't do jack shit. So, <laughs> John, you agree? Yeah. Obviously, yeah, every, agree. every agrees that it's trash, but yeah, probably for all the same reasons. Okay. Next one is uh, NO boosters. So, nitric oxide boosters, trash or treasure, Mark? Uh, I'll go. Hear me, I've never tried it, I haven't really thought about it, so I can't really say one way or the other. I guess I'd lean towards trash if I assume that it's not great enough to be something I would do. Okay, I, John? I haven't tried so. Um, I think I had some like L arginine that I think was supposed to be a nitric oxide booster, yep. but I feel like it helped for like cardio sessions. I felt like I didn't necessarily feel anything with lifting, but I felt like maybe it was just like mentally helped me get ready for like running. Back when I was doing that, I felt like it was somewhat helpful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying, I'm probably gonna say trash on most of these. <laughs> trash <laughs> also. That's how I'm feeling too. I'm like, <laughs> I'm get a lot of trash out of me for doing this for not. Probably be a lot of trash here. Um, so Mark, you've never really tried it. So maybe don't. I, have I haven't tried food. many supplements, which is why I think I'm going to be saying trash a lot here. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, and John, you kind of gave maybe your, your thoughts on why you say I think you said treasure, right? Uh, yeah, like it, in between. Like it, it was one of the few things that I felt like, like L-arginine, beta-alanine, and like caffeine are about like the three kind of like cheap supplements you can get that I felt that I can at least feel effects from that I'm like, that seems reasonable enough. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I can, I mean, being trash, I, I don't think there's any definitive evidence that they do work in any can you can get all of those aminos at L-arginine. Um, um, I'm going to script the name of the other two, but it's like Citra. Man, I should have wrote, wrote that down. Beta alanine or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's something malate. Um, uh, citraline malate, I think, is what it's called. And you can get all that from from fruits and vegetables, right? Primarily melons, cucumbers, um, things like that. So I'm a big advocate of eating whole foods, right? And eating a balanced diet rather than supplementing, right? Supplements at the end of the day are supplements, not replacements anyway. So um, again, trash, mostly because there's no evidence that they really actually do what they claim in the first place. Um, next one, BCAAs. Mark. Trash. John? I, 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 I don't know. I feel like they're not as helpful as people think they are not so i don't know it's like it's one of those things that i feel like it's in everything kind of like once again most of these things you could probably get from a balanced diet so i i'll i'll be the odd one out and be like maybe it's a mixed bag maybe it, there's something to it well i'm talking about these bcaas as a supplement right Buying oh, as a supplement I'm like, as a okay, supplement yeah. no <laughs> let's, uh, let's trash? go with trash yeah, so I'm again trash. Um, my common theme, I think we probably all agree, is I mean, you just said it, Ben. Balanced diet, um, from what I've read, uh, uh, the recommended consumption dosage uh, for an athlete is 91 milligrams per pound of body weight. Um, for me, as an example, that puts me, I think, at about 21 grams. With all of the meat and eggs and dairy that I eat, I get I get double that already. So it's kind of unnecessary, right? And so my theme for me is that you know eat a whole balanced diet. You don't need supplements, right? <laughs> you yep. agree, Mark? I can echo that. Eat food versus I don't know, choke down pills or powders or whatever. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, and so some of these, I, I'm, I'm this next one. I'm actually probably going to vote the other way. Vitamin D three, Mark, trash or treasure? Uh, leaning up, I wouldn't say it's a treasure, but it's, it's not quite trash. John, yeah, I, I would say that it has its benefits. Arguably, I'd still say that going out in the sun and everything probably is your best bet for vitamin D, but. I would say most people probably don't get as much sunlight exposure as they need. So I, I don't know. I've always felt like it's somewhat helpful, but once again, it's kind of hard to know. 
Like, I, I feel like it's the same with Mark's creatine. I've been taking it long enough that if I stop taking it, I don't know what would happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, D3, I'm actually going to vote Treasure on this one. Um, Mark, what is your reasoning? Uh, my reasoning is when I first started taking it years ago, and honestly, over the last year or so, I've just kind of stopped because I forgot about it and nothing has changed. So, I said, stop doing it, period. Um, but when I first started taking it, I felt like it did something. That's when I wasn't getting outside and getting as much sun. But uh, ever since I got a dog and I started walking him like six miles a day every day, that's a lot of time outside. So I assume that I'm just getting that much more sun exposure now. And so that's why I'm not feeling any effects from taking it as a supplement versus getting it uh, in a more natural way. So, Sure. John, what's your reasoning? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely, I mean, kind of like I said, if, if you don't get enough sunlight, like software engineers who sit on the computer most of the day mainly i feel like it's more helpful for like when the time change happens and it's dark by the time i'm done with work it's oftentimes hard to get as much sunlight exposure as i'd like if i miss out on like the morning sun but i think probably like almost every one of these i feel like getting it the natural way is probably far superior especially if you can do like that six mile walk a day that probably does a lot more for you than most so, any of these supplements. Yeah, that's where I actually argue that maybe it is more been it, it has its benefits to supplement because so again, you know, anecdotally speaking, my diet, um, I don't get enough D3 from the food that I eat, unfortunately. Um, and you know, there's risks to being outside for too long. Right. For an athlete, you should be getting a minimum of five thousand IUs, international units a day. Um, based on my, you know, what, what I'm looking at with food and, and time in the sun, I'm probably coming up short a couple of thousand I use. So, and I think a lot of people probably are, uh, and again, I mean, I eat a ton of food, right? I eat just animal products a day is about, uh, a one and a half kilos, right? It's, you know, quite a lot of food. Um, and I'm still coming up short, short. So I think D3 is a definitely a beneficial one because it also has, you know, a lot of additional benefits um, health-wise that you may not notice just hanging out, right? Um, it's not one of those supplements that have a physical noticeable effect. Um, next one is actually vitamin K2, since it has synergy, synergy with D3. Mark, trash or treasure? Abstain by having absolutely no idea what that is. <laughs> okay. John? I <laughs> I mainly know about it because of Liver King would always talk about it. It was like okay. one of the things that he was like, the ancestral I changed stuff. my mind to trash if it's uh, one of those things. <laughs> so K2, so K2, vitamin K2 is, uh, I, there's there's some research that suggests that there's a good synergistic effect between D3 and K2 in helping in minimizing calcification of arteries, good for heart health. Um, there's some other really good benefits, but uh, the suggestion is is that to get the benefits of D3, you also have to have sufficient K2. So it is a necessary vitamin that you need, but um, so I'm I'm actually and, and I'm not saying the vitamin itself. I'm saying getting supplementation, additional supplementation, unneeded trash, um, because one egg yolk basically contains more enough of your daily dose. I, I eat five whole eggs a day. I get five times what I need. So not it's a it's a it's a vitamin that's very easy to get through your food sources. So not really needed. Um the next one is salt or sodium products. Trash or treasure, Mark. Uh, I'll say treasure, assuming you're not eating a ton of salt in your diet which I think can sometimes happen when you're trying to eat very, you know, healthily. You don't necessarily get as much salt in there unless you're purposely adding it. Right. John? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty beneficial. Uh, for some doctor or something on Instagram, one of those ones, Nick something, he talked about it. And I occasionally, because it is like if you're, especially if you're cooking for yourself, and I realize I don't put very much salt in my food when I'm cooking mm -hmm. for myself, that I actually supplement the little capsules of it, like pink Himalayan sea salt do like, I think 500 milligrams of sodium before a workout than 500 after. And I feel like it makes a difference with performance. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of salt. I say treasure. 
Um, Mark, reasonings on your vote. Again, like I said, I, I take very little in the way of supplements. I don't have tons of personal experience in this, but I know that salt in general is important. And I, I try to, you know, add more salt to my diet. Because like I say, if you don't purposely add it when you're cooking your own food, you get surprised by how little you get in there. Something I try and add as much salt as I can, either by salt or like soy sauce or whatever. And honestly, if I were to start any kind of supplement, I have thought about adding salt, especially pre-workout before. I just never really gotten around to it. So I guess, yeah, it has an obvious biological function and you don't necessarily get time in your diet when you're preparing your food unless you're just pouring it on, really. Yeah. John, your thoughts? Yeah. That, I, I already kind of gave away my thoughts. There was a spoiler yeah. alert at the beginning. <laughs> but I'd say I think it's that word of caution. If you're someone who eats out pretty frequently, like food from restaurants typically has enough sodium for your day. Like there are a lot of things that if you look at nutrition facts at restaurants, you'll have one to 2000 milligrams of sodium for like a meal. Whereas if you're cooking for yourself, I don't think very many of us put in like several teaspoons on like each portion of things we're doing. So yeah. I think what? it can be helpful. I, well, I mean, you know, I, I like to think that we gear more towards athletes and if you're an athlete yeah. eating out the majority of your meals, um you've got a lot of work to do in your diet to begin with and probably shouldn't be worried about the supplements that you're taking anyway <laughs> right <laughs> um so yeah i mean again the reason i i vote treasure number one salt is cheap it's plentiful it's probably one of the i mean it's the best electrolyte there is your body needs electrolytes to function water retention um right helps with uh like cramping um and and whatnot i mean it's it's so cheap it's it's available and if you're an athlete i mean you need extra um and yeah i usually take uh probably about a half teaspoon of salt iodized salt before i work out too john um you know there's not like a immediate noticeable effect but i definitely feel like um i my body functions much better with more salt so you know obviously if you have you know health problems or something that conflicts with your sodium intake maybe it, it's maybe it's trash for you <laughs> um next one is post-workout carbohydrate supplements mark trash john uh it's one of those things that that's pretty processed and everything i used to have carbolin that i would take that kind of helped but i realized it probably is more beneficial to have like an actual meal rather than relying on extra carbs from that. But I think maybe if you're balking or someone who is on the low carb diet, you probably might need some little carbs after a workout. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So what's also, your, I keep what's spoiling your, this format. What's your, <laughs> what's your, are you trash or treasure? Okay. So I was kind of just trying not to give an answer. Um, <laughs> you gotta say, say trash or treasure. Mm, no in between, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll 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 say a small treasure, depending on who you are, your circumstance. A nugget, a nugget of knowledge, <laughs> a golden tidbit, the not quite a full treasure. All right, uh, I I go trash as well. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that it's probably the easiest thing in the world to eat is just some carbs. <laughs> like almost everything you can get these days has a crap ton of carbs in it. And if you really just cannot do any better, I feel like instead of buying a branded supplement, you could just buy a bag of sugar or something. So I just don't see the point of buying carbs in a supplement form when it's like the easiest thing in the world to get and eat. <laughs> Agreed. hundred percent. John, you already kind of gave us your thoughts. But I, I, I'll, I'll change my thing. If you do, if you're doing what Eric Bugenhagen does is his carb supplement is he just bought, bags of day-old bagels and you would eat like a dozen bagels a day that's like a fine supplement i mean i mean a, a baguette has like a glycemic index uh a relatively close to uh um uh maltodextrin i believe so it's basically the same right um so yeah if you can get it cheaper and again you know not everybody needs as many carbs as they think they do if you're bulking maybe but um again i'm a big fan of whole unprocessed foods you know i eat i eat meat and white rice after right the, the glycemic index isn't quite as high as 
is maltodextrin, but it's high enough. Um, it gets the uh, gets what I need right after working out. So yeah, I'm a, I'm always a big fan of eating before supplementation. And again, like you said, a bag of sugar serves <laughs> <laughs> the same exact purpose, right? Um, last one, pre-workout formulas. Mark. Trash the formulas, treasure to just like caffeine pills. Perfect. John? I would, I would have to echo that. Yeah, uh, same, same 100%. What's your, what's your reasoning there, Mark? Uh, my reasoning is that while I have been good about cutting back a little bit on the stimulants in the last couple of years, I mean, caffeine works. <laughs> There's a reason that it's like the most studied drug in the world and like everyone takes it in some capacity, almost unless you're really purposely trying not to. I mean, it, it does what it says it's supposed to do. Like I don't, Absolutely. I probably could get through a workout with caffeine, but once you get a little bit instant workout, I mean, it might just be mental at this point, but I feel like it, it starts to really drag on if I don't have that caffeine in me. So. Sure. John? Yeah, I would say that caffeine is helpful, but I also think there are a decent amount of people, especially people I've talked to who take way too much pre-workout. And after a while, you're building up too high mm -hmm. of a tolerance. You're throwing off your adrenal system. Like, so it's, it's a mixed bag. So I would say like pre-workouts, most of them, especially if it's something called like heart attack, blood orange edition or something, <laughs> maybe it's probably, it's definitely trash. But it's if it's like caffeine pills, like, like that's yeah. the main thing is like a hundred milligrams of caffeine, like depending on your tolerance, like that actually can really help a workout. If you're routinely taking hundreds of milligrams of caffeine a day or a week, you're probably just doing more harm than good in the long run. And you should yeah, maybe so dive back so you can really enjoy it. So yeah, I mean, I grow caffeine, pre-workout formulas are trash in my opinion. Number one opinion is because a lot of it, you don't even know what's in there, right? They're proprietary uh, ingredients. They're, you know, like most of the fitness supplements, they're unregulated. You don't actually know what's in them. Um, I'm fairly positive I've had some that have, I mean, I don't have any evidence, total speculation, have illegal DMAA in them because I've taken them and had all the symptoms of increased increased blood pressure insomnia right <laughs> you never come off of this stuff but yeah caffeine i like to, i like to take pre-workout that i know exactly what it is so caffeine is is definitely a big one for me and contrary to what john says i've been taking about 400 milligrams of caffeine before working out every day for like 10 years <laughs> that's that's about where i used to be i've got it down to just the one 200 milligram pill for workouts and then that, yeah. that, that list leaves 400 open for the important days where I really want the extra, extra. Yeah. I, and I don't really notice any difference. Like I feel the same as long as I slept enough, I never mm -hmm. take any more than that ever. Um, and I always feel the same. So yeah, now I feel the same on 200 that I used to feel in 400. Cause I, I find as long as you're not trying to continually chase that initial high, you either use the kind sure. of when you level out at any dosage. So yeah. I like to keep that doses I leveled out at a little bit lower than a, you're not putting as much into and two, you still have the room to go up without getting completely jittered out when you really want to, you know, hit that PR or whatever. Yeah. Um, in competition, I've actually taken to not taking any pre-workout um, until later in the show because there's so much energy and um, anxiety and nerves mm -hmm. and everything going off that if I take pre any caffeine or anything, um, I'm usually so jittery on the first event that, that I fumble, I do yeah. something stupid. So, so I've actually stopped taking pre-workout before mm -hmm. competition. Yeah. I, don't of, I don't have a ton of experience there, but the one uh, strong competition I did last year, that's basically what I did. I staggered. I took one at the beginning and then a second pill like halfway through. So, you know, it's like a six hour day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So, so that's trying for treasure. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, from my perspective, the reason I wanted to do this is, you know, help our listeners, you know, especially the newer ones, maybe get some perspective, some insight from, um, you know, our guests, from us on, you know, is it worth really spending the money on all these supplements? You know, at the end of the day, I think it's uh, everybody's personal decision, um, how you want to structure your diet, right? But I strongly recommend supplementation, not, not replacement. Um, and eat a well-balanced diet. You don't need the vast majority of these. So mm -hmm. awesome. So we'll kind of move on here, man. Um, 
John, do you have any starting questions for Mark? Yeah, um, I was going to say part of it, um, based on your strength level and everything, what makes you not compete? Or like, Because a lot of people, if they're even close to your strength, they would probably be competing all the time. Whereas you said oh, you mean, did the one last year. Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons there. One, I feel like to a certain degree, people assume I'm stronger than I am. Because I mean, I am very kind of skewed. Like, look at Strongman. Like, I have a very obscenely high deadlift, but I have an absolutely pitiful press. So that kind of, you know, balances out from a competitive standpoint. And then I'm middle good in some of stuff like, you know, picks, loads, carries, et cetera. Um, so really it's, it's not like I, I have one lift or one class of lifts I'm super good at, and then I'm okay at everything else. And then really bad at a few things. So it's not like I like this potential to be like world champion, in any strength sport, because there is no strength sport. That's just deadlifts to the standards. That I do deadlifts in my basement. So that's not really a sport. <laughs> uh, second, well, I mean, oh, I would argue with that strongman. I mean, there's all kinds of, well, I mean, there's not really any standards in strongman to start with. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to so get back. Strongman right standards show. are basically, yeah. Strongman standards are basically <laughs> Okay, I, I don't deadlift to the powerlifting standards. If strongman sure. standards, yeah, for most of the time, yeah, except for the fact that you know, can't do Jefferson and strongman. Right. <laughs> not, like not typically. Never I mean, yeah, if, if they forget to put in the rules, <laughs> they usually yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are just good <laughs> They I mean, didn't say both legs had to be behind the bar. <laughs> they didn't add that part. <laughs> That's, that's I mean, that's that strongman though. You get away with everything that you can. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do a strongman uh, show where they didn't put that in the rules. So I could just bust that out. <laughs> Have you like, thought about doing, um, you know, like the uh, deadlift championships, or you don't know if they've had them for less than um, the super heavyweights for a year, a couple of years. They used to do it in Leeds where they had um, all weight classes, but. Have you thought about doing even like the American deadlift championship? Yeah, well, that, that leads into what I was going with the second reason. I don't mean to me personally, competing in a like uh, formal capacity doesn't have any more appeal than just lifting on my own. So when I look at a competition, it's just like traveling probably quite a ways away up to like days away, um, paying entry fees, going through all the hoops and hassles to get signed up and like spend the whole day doing this thing to just do something that I can do in my basement, which is 15 seconds away and I can do it on my own time. I can be done an hour. So it really is just the fact that the appeal of competition for its own sake, isn't really there for me. And there's a lot of just hassle I have to go through due to competition. Like the meet, I guess meet, I'm not sure you call a strongman show meet, whatever. Uh, the one I did last summer, it's 50 minutes away from my house. So I'm like that, that's the balance where I'm willing to go. Like it's, it's a fun time. Like I enjoyed being there. It was a, Fun energy, it's fun to meet, fun to do the events, to talk to the other competitors. But I wouldn't want to like travel out of state to do that, or like fly who knows where and like get a hotel room and like go through all this hoops and hassle just to pull a deadlift because I can do that in my basement. Yeah, so that's, that's I really that. the big reason I don't compete. Yeah, you do it on your time. So I mean, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, now you know, I'm I'm getting up there in years. I'm not sure if I'm going to compete anymore. Yet I may do one or two more shows, but hey man, I enjoy just going and, and lifting and and just resting whenever I want to go in and hit a big lift mm -hmm. rather than having to train hard and try to be at your best on a specific, a specific day. Yeah. Day. <laughs> and I can totally respect that that aspect of competition as a whole another layer of complexity and difficulty, which is why I won't like compare my lifts to a competition lift but I will compare my lifts to a competitor's best gym lift. And if they haven't bothered to do a better gym lift than their best competitive list, well, that's you know their fault for never <laughs> going for the best they can do, not the best they can do under competitive standards. So Yeah, and that's hard, though, too. I mean, for a competitor, um, usually you want to save those for game day, mm -hmm. right? But, I mean, there's, all, I, there's some incredibly strong guys that are pulling, you know, deadlifting, squatting, pressing huge weights in training also. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's probably game day every day in Snap City. <laughs> That's the asterisk I'd put next to that. You no need to save it for a specific day. I uh, know. It's the opposite of that. There's just no, there's no rules in Snap City. That's kind of the whole point. <laughs> I mean, there are less rules in Strongman, but there still are a few. There's still you know a structure there, which is kind of annoying. Not terrible, but yeah. pleasant. 
tell us about Snap City. Where where did that come oh, from? Snap City, which I mean, you can, if anyone's watching this, can't have that sign. Um, I think it was last, early last year, maybe like last December even. Um, Snap City, I mean, if you haven't seen comments like that, is just kind of a meme comment that people put under lifts that they assume will hurt someone's back. So having seen my lifts, I think you can see that I get a lot of that flavor of comments. So I'd seen, oh, he's going to Snap City or just Snap City or whatever. So many times in the comments, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to reclaim that. I'm going to take that back. I'm going to turn that from a negative to this, to this positive. I'm going to make a street sign that says, welcome to Snap City. And people kind of latched onto that street sign. So I made some other stuff. And yeah, it's kind of roll with it. I think it's uh, kind of fun to kind of turn that on its head and it's, it's kind of like become my personal brand or my personal, you know, my little thing. That's genius, man. I love it. Thanks. Yeah. The other question I was going to have is, has, with your training style, has it evolved or changed since you've started to become more like an online figure with lifting. How has that changed things? Because I was noticing your Instagram didn't go that many years back. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. haven't been doing kind of weirder lifts. And I guess that's a preface this. Like, I don't train all these odd lifts. It's not like a weird training methodology. I train like any other random average person, just, you know, a bunch of very normal lifts, normal accessories, normal structure, nothing that's out there a while. I just, when I have some extra time, I like to express that strength in more interesting ways than... Uh, just continually banging my head against the same one rep maxes in the standard list. So this is just kind of my fun way of expressing strength, not a way that I build strength. So I don't train uh, like the Jeffersons or these big deficit deadlifts or the even the Zurchers too much. So I don't train any of that. I was like, wait till a day. I'm like, okay, you know what? It's an easy day. I have some extra time. I'm just going to bang out what I can, this weird lift that I thought of. So uh, I don't really change my training around that to like facilitate that. And as far as being kind of the kind of online presence. I'd been doing these lifts for about a year before I became really active on Instagram. And it was mostly because um, if you're familiar with him, Mikey, maybe me had like an online competition for the odd list. I'm like, Oh, that's my thing. I should compete in that. <laughs> I think that, that that's my level of competition where I can just like send a video and that's, that's the full extent to what you have to do to compete. <laughs> but yeah, I did that. And then people kind of latched on like, Oh, I, I can keep posting if people are going to enjoy it. So I, I don't think in that last year I've had much different difference in my training. I mean, I, I might do more of the odd lifts just cause I like, cause I know I have an audience and they're going to enjoy it. Like, but I try not to like get in the way of my actual training. So especially like, like when I'm cutting, I'll do a lot more of the odd lifts cause I don't have that much that I have to do in terms of structured training when I'm cutting. Cause I'm just trying to maintain muscle mass and that doesn't take that much. So I have a lot more time and energy to do kind of weird stuff. Whereas now that I'm vaulting, I'm training a lot harder because I'm actually trying to, you know, grow and develop versus just maintain. So I don't have as much time and energy to keep banging out the weird lifts. So my, you know, the stream of posts are going to slow down a little bit in terms of the goofy lifts, but then eventually I'll be able to take a break and cut again. And I'll be able to crank out a couple of weeks or something. So what is the, so the motivation for, for like the, the 910 pound Jefferson deadlift? I mean, that started all of Mikey or. Was that just kind of like a wild hair you had one day and just decided, I'm going to see what I can do? No, I, the re uh, Mikey, that's kind of the reason I started posting on, on Instagram because they had that specific competition. I just never really bothered with the platform or really any other platform before that. But my primary motivation for starting doing the weird lifts is still kind of going back to those comments where you get stuff like Snapchat. I just hate seeing all these comments like, you can't do this. You can't do that. This is unsafe. This is dangerous. And I'm like... No, you're <laughs> you've demonized all these movements because you don't know better. I'm going to give you a abject lesson in why you are wrong. So I see a comment like you can't do this. I'm like, well, yeah, watch me do something that's complete opposite of that, and I'm just fine. So I mean, I post them in like other uh, smaller communities and stuff, and then they kind of uh, reached a larger audience when I started putting them on Instagram. So it really kind of started off as a spite thing, and it's just kind of become. I tried to be turned more positive spin, <laughs> not so much like look at this. I'm going to rub your face in it so much as. Hey, look what the body can do. You can also do this if you want. You don't have to, but this is something that you could potentially be capable of. I think that's yeah. a good way to do it. Cause um, I was thinking about that. Just, I like doing odd lifts just cause it is mm -hmm. kind of fun. And I think oftentimes people don't realize like you had a good post recently about insidious injuries, like mm -hmm. dealing with things like that. But I think people don't often realize that 
it's funny because some of my friends who have hurt their backs, like it's ways you wouldn't expect. It's like hyperextending on lockout or it's these things of like, what's interesting is to realize um, once I started training, like some rounded back good mornings and these things where you train in what would be considered a compromised position, like call your local chiropractor, like this guy's going to the doctor, like he's going to be in the ER, all those comments where you're I've like, I've seen every ver- version yeah, of those every, comments now. <laughs> yeah. Every variation where they're like, they're like, my back just hurts looking at this. Like, I hurt my back lifting 225, and I stopped at lifting completely. And I'm like, that's probably exactly doing these things. Like, like wearing a belt and wearing protective gear all the time, mm-hmm. you're going to get to the point where, depending on how you train, you're going to eventually possibly hit a compromised position in lifting. Mm-hmm. And if your body's not prepared for that kind of stimulus or stress – it's going to affect things like Darren's been really great recently, like posting his PRs of like lifts he's done in the past with no gear at all. Mm -hmm. Because after a while, I think sometimes there is this concept, like you need all these things or you have to have like your back has to be super, super neutral, almost that weird, like arch style where I'm like, I don't think you realize that like hyperextension can affect your back too. Like people Mm -hmm. post, on your lifts or John Hack's lifts, they'll be like, oh, I feel bad for his back. It's like John Hack's back is fine. <laughs> like, don't worry about John Hack or Mark's back. Like, they're mm-hmm. okay. So I, I've always appreciated that message because I think people oftentimes, it creates this weird thing where, like, you hurt your back once and you just stop lifting completely. Mm-hmm. Like, so many of my friends, it's like you get that one injury and you're just out. Like, oh, yeah. I don't deadlift anymore. All I do is bench press and overhead press. Like, there, there are a ton of things yeah. in what you just said that I want to quickly touch on. Uh, first, in terms of getting injured and you're not expecting it, I mentioned this in the post day reference, but I did just hurt my back on Monday. But after all the stuff I've done, you can go through my Instagram if you haven't seen me before, all the wild stuff I've done, being completely bent over and hunching back, I hurt my back pulling a totally normal deadlift at 600 which is about you know 66 percent my max so it was just like a throwaway deload nothing set and i go down and grab it and i'm not focused not paying attention because in my mind this is just a pitiful amount of weight and because of that you know you get a little little pull in some of your back so something back there is i mean i've heard before it's not anything new but it's just kind of funny that of all the stuff i've done a completely <laughs> trivial like 66 percent of max deadlift is what finally gets me so you always kind of got to pay attention and, you know, even when you consider a lightweight, you should probably still lift like it's a heavyweight. So that's something that I keep, I, I try to remember, but you know, you go along without injury and you get, you get lazy. So I'm just gonna have to work through that now. It's going to take a week I, or two to go back to normal, but. I think that's common. Um, you know, certainly people get hurt lifting very heavyweight, but I think mm-hmm. the most injuries happen, you know, uh, with lightweight or in the garden, right? Because, mm-hmm. Because people are just not, you get kind of complacent and thinking that this is easy, right? I don't need to, you know, something in your head, just let's go. You, you don't practice, you know, maybe proper form. You're just like, you're just grabbing it. You're not taking your time. You know, I tore my my left bicep, uh, complete detachment, on an axle um, uh, uh, continental clean. It was only 235 pounds when my max at the time was like 350. Right, <laughs> just stupid. Um, you know, and looking back, I mean, I go through all the things that I know that I did wrong that day. But yeah, sometimes we take it for granted and we get complacent. And and it's so so important to go through like those warm ups and the same processes every single day, every lift to prevent those those injuries. And you know, and I think you know, um, you know, I read your post. You know, kind of the insidious, the the catastrophic ones are are sometimes you know I've had. I don't know if I'd call a bicep to tear attachment catastrophic. It kind of is because it's done, right? And I had to go out of surgery and have it fixed. Those are sometimes nicer because you know that it's going to be repaired and in time it's going to heal. You know exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Those insidious ones that just kind of nag and don't ever go away are the ones that are sometimes the worst and, and hard to um, hard to identify what's actually going on so that you can heal and move past it. And so those are definitely the worst. And again, I think it just comes down to just proper, proper warmups, training normally the same every day, going through the, you know, it, it, it gets monotonous, but you've got to go through that, those motions to ensure that you're, mm-hmm. you're healthy, your uh, mobility is, is as good as it can be. 
right? Working through all that range of motion and, and being as safe as possible because injury can, and if you stick with us long enough, I always say it's not an if, actually, it's a oh, win. Yeah. It's a win. It's going to be a win multiple times. And that kind of leads into the second thing I want to touch on from what you were talking about earlier. Um, if there is any benefit to be had from all the odd lifts, and I, I, I try to be very clear that there's not a ton of benefit other than the inherent joy of doing these weird odd lifts. But one tangible benefit that can carry over other things is that when you're constantly kind of pushing yourself to do these new, strange, unusual movement patterns that you're not used to, you do build a greater kind of competency and awareness with your body in general, which goes to like when you end up in a compromised position doing a normal lift, if you've already, you know, put your body in compromised positions that you're not used to a ton of times doing odd lifts, you're a little bit more prepared to like adapt on the fly and not hurt yourself or not fail the lift just because you kind of left your comfort zone on a heavy rep of something normal. So I think that's one, I won't call it a big benefit, but one actual benefit of constantly doing lifts that are at least new to you. You don't even have to be a super weird lift. If it's a lift you don't train regularly, you just kind of toss in your training, you're going to kind of get the same benefit of uh, raising kind of your, I think I've called it your general skill level before, as opposed to your specific skill level. So it's kind of like your, how quickly you can pick up a new lift in general, if that makes yeah. any sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, I would say that's definitely a good point. Cause I think people don't always realize like the prison styles are to lift from the floor and everything. Mm -hmm. One, I'm not lifting the same as I would do a regular deadlift mm -hmm. and everything. And what's interesting I've realized is like most recently, my goal is to eventually work towards more, but like passing that three plate mark and everything, people are always like, Oh my God, you're back. But one thing I've realized is if I was doing 330 something with a traditional deadlift, I wouldn't pay it any mind at all. Like sometimes I don't even think about my form. You're like, get it over with. We're going to the next one. Whereas like doing these odd lifts and stuff, you're actually bracing and doing mm -hmm. more than you probably ever would think about. Yeah, doing that you're, exact you're much same more mindful doing a weird lift because you're not relying on muscle memory to just bang out something else subconsciously. It's something that's totally new. You have to really kind of be paying attention. And obviously there's a degree of muscle memory because like you've done movement patterns that are somewhat analogous before, at least pieces of movement patterns. But you, you definitely are more kind of in the moment when you're doing a brand new lift than you are when you're cranking out your third working set of bench press or deadlift or whatever. Yeah, and I think, I think you're... The internet needs people like you because oftentimes you have these people like, <laughs> like you're, you're the hero we need. Like, I don't know. Because oftentimes you you're see our only people. way forward, Mark. Yeah. I mean, you have like these goofy things online where you have like Mark Ripto saying there's no benefit from a trap bar deadlift, Jeff Cavalier saying there's no benefits from good mornings or you should avoid them because the risk is just way too high. Mm -hmm. Like never put 135 pounds on your back and do a good morning with it. Like that's just like, and you're like, wait, you, these things do have benefit and do have carryover mm -hmm. because like, I think oftentimes there is this weird idea that like, for some reason we've decided that like having a bar in front of us that we're deadlifting like that's a natural normal pattern yeah. and i'm like how often are you picking up something like that <laughs> actually like the suitcase deadlift is like way more normal i love when people are trying to argue that something's like not a functional lift there's no purpose so it's like you, there's no purpose to almost all lifts like once you've hit a very minimal threshold level of strength you are equipped to do anything you'd want to do in the real world barring some really weird out there examples like in your day-to-day -day life you don't need a ton of strength so if you're lifting at a high level, it doesn't have a purpose other than the lifting itself. It's a means to its own end. So there's really nothing better about any lift than the other lift at that point. Because because it's if it's what you want to do, if you want to deadlift the 900 pounds conventionally or Jefferson, like they're both equally non-functional to anything else you'd ever really want to do. So <laughs> do, do what you want to do. I, well, I think the real benefit too falls down to you know being cross cross training. Um, doing things that, that you're not used to, not comfortable with, right? Making your body uncomfortable is, is, the, is the means to growth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when you get too comfortable with any movement, uh, you start to stagnate and plateau. So it's very, very important to, to knock yourself out of that kind of homeostasis so that you can grow again. Uh, being mm -hmm. uncomfortable is very important to growth. Uh, and I just, you know, had this discussion with a friend, you know, I'm not a big fan of ice baths, for instance. And, and it's, you know, I kind of find it remarkable how they've become so popular again. 
all of a sudden, you know, they were out of favor and now they're back in favor and everybody's arguing what the benefits are. And I'm like, you know, the real benefit is, is they're, they're kind of man makers, right? They, they build um, perseverance and the ability to, to suffer through being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so there is a benefit there. I don't know if there's a benefit, you know, like metabolically, people will argue there is, but um, yeah, I think there's, it's always important to take yourself out of the comfort zone and force yourself to do things that you don't normally do that you don't maybe don't even like so that you mm-hmm. can grow and become better. Yeah. That reminds me, I'm trying to think of who said this. I, I want to say it was Ben Pollock about why he still keeps the heavy barbell compound lifts in his bodybuilding routine. He said that it's not because they're necessarily better for development, but because there's nothing as mentally difficult as like pushing out a set of squats to failure. And if he can keep doing those sets of barbell squats to failure, then when he finally goes and, you know, hit failure on a leg press, it's, it's like nothing, which I agree with, like <laughs> pushing myself to failure and like a, I don't use the straight barbell for a squat, you know, but on the bars I do use that is infinitely worse mentally than going to failure on the leg press, even though I think also that the leg press, at least for me, is a better developer for uh, my quad specifically. So I think there's a lot of value every once in a while, just doing sets that really, really suck. If for no other reason than to remind yourself what actual, suck feels like so you don't grow complacent in your less sucky sets absolutely absolutely i'm finding that too you know spending you know, i competed in strongman for over 14 years and and strongman i mean just like powerlifters there's no emphasis on on real cardio or major conditioning right everybody shames crossfit and everything and i started going and doing this i'm like man this is 10 times harder than what i've been doing for the last 14 years i probably should have been doing this the whole time yeah i'm guilty that i do not enjoy super long like long time period amounts of suck like if i'm gonna do something sucky it's gonna be like a uh, 20 reps or something and that's gonna be done in a few minutes whereas like a i don't know like a maxing out your 10k on the row where you're actually really going at for the whole i don't know how long a 10k takes 40 minutes whatever like that is just something i've noticed i, I agree that it probably would be good for me that you probably should do stuff like that once in a while but i just hate it so much i want to you know rip that band-aid off and it's worked pretty well for me even this, this is like so mark is because you hate it <laughs> the growth factor right? <laughs> yeah i mean every once in a while i'll do challenges that just because i think that the that i think i'll hate it like i've done I think the best example is a while ago. I would have been last almost a year ago. I think it was right after New Year 2021. I decided if you've heard of the Magort deadlift program, it's. it's oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. So I decided that I was going to do that entire program as fast as possible versus over 11 weeks. And I got it done in 32 hours. <laughs> Granted, wow. I used a trap bar because I felt like if I'd use a straight bar, it was probably going to destroy my lower back uh, just by the pump alone. But I sat out with my actual one rep max on the trap bar high handles and I cranked out all, I guess it's 10 weeks. I didn't do the like PR final week, but however many weeks of actual program was for that side, I did in 32 hours over two days. So 8 a.m. one day to like 5 p.m. the next day, two working days. And I spanged out that however many hundreds of thousands of pounds of volume. And it did suck. But honestly, of all the kind of dumb things I've done, that's one thing that I felt had a super tangible benefit because that and a few other things like, uh, super heavy overloaded squats where I'm like a cat fields where I'm really cheating it or where I wear the SSB and I brace myself on my thighs mm-hmm. doing stuff like that has like completely eliminated the problem I used to have with getting conventional deadlift off the ground. Like I used to really struggle there. Like if I were to break the ground, I would have to arch my back so much that I'd lose leverage to fail over my knees, but doing stuff like that, where at by those last couple of sets where I was still, it was, it was like reps 800, but I just done so much crap beforehand. I had to sit down like, okay, <laughs> I do not think I can do this. This feels awful. I'm just going to brace as hard as I can. It's not a thing to just push. And it's like, it's like an hour body experience. Like you're not, I don't know which muscles were working. <laughs> Everything was just, <laughs> it's like I was just being squeezed and then the bar just came up. And I kind of took that feeling that this awful feeling of trying to crank out these sets of two after so many working sets a day and the day before. And it was just a matter of like, you know what? Don't like fail. Don't let my like torso if you have dope just keep pushing even though it feels like it's not going to move and that was kind of like a light bulb moment like oh i can do that for a conventional deadlift too even if i don't think it's going to move just you know keep pushing for a little bit longer than you would and before you start arching to uh getting better leverage off the floor and then bam like that <laughs> next time i tried my conventional or max it just flew up so fast i'm like oh what was that interesting so so you're a big fan of overloading squats on safety squat bar hatfield squats in order to 
to increase your power off the floor on conventional deadlift? For me, I don't want to like pretend this is some solution that's going to work for everyone. I think it addressed my specific problems, which were almost more mental than anything. But right. for me, I found that like contrary, I feel like most people think, okay, you're weak off the floor. Like you want to do a deficit or something that like makes that part harder. And from my experience, by avoiding it off the floor and just you know, making it a little bit easier, but upping the weight, that seemed to like snap something in my mind that helped fix my bracing and helped fix my willingness to keep, you know, keep pressing through the legs a little bit longer before I started laying my back. Uh, bend over so <laughs> i don't know why it worked but that's an interesting approach and, yeah i mean not everything works for everybody but i mean it's great to hear different perspectives and mm -hmm. things that work for everybody i would i would never have trained that for um deadlift i didn't train specifically for deadlift. that's what i did because i thought it'd be cool it turned yeah, out works really well for deadlift. Over in the end so <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> that's uh, yeah. awesome I think that helps kind of that idea. Cause like once too, I feel like mentally, at least I did equipped powerlifting for a while. And it's interesting to see, like there wasn't always as much carryover to like raw lifting, but some of those things, once you get past that mental barrier of it's weird thinking that it actually kind of really helped my deadlift and break out of some plateaus. Cause there mm -hmm. is that sense of I've stood up, it might not have been to depth, but I've been mm -hmm. able to stand up with 650 pounds on my back, being able to pull this off the ground. Like, yeah, that's not going to be nearly as hard because oftentimes there is that weird mental thing that mm -hmm. at least like, and you'll see some people do it all the time where they'll like come up to the bar and like, they'll pull the slack out and then just shake their head and be like, no, I, it's not <laughs> there. And I'm like, maybe you know your body really well, or you just decided you're not going to yeah. actually pull it. Like, and I think that's a bigger thing in deadlift than most other lifts because like, you have to be there 100% mentally before you start to deadlift or you're just not going to complete your max deadlift. Like it's a lot easier in some regards to do like a bench or a squat. Cause once you're down the hole or you have the bar in your chest, you kind of have to, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of weight there pushing you to get, do your best Whereas deadlift is just staying there in front of you. It's really easy to give up or psych yourself out and you don't have the whole, you know, like decline or how does that be the eccentric or whatever to kind of like psych yourself up and get all your body online. Like deadlift, you have to go zero to 60 and that's, that's hard to do mentally. I think that's made a lot of people and that I personally need to train more to really get the most on my deadlift was being willing to push a hundred percent right from the get go. Yeah. I've always said that deadlift is one of those things. That's not, it's, it, there's a significant mental component to deadlift. Yeah. And like oh, you're saying is, is it, it's just, it's miserable to pull, you know, it's squat and bench. You've got that stretch reflex too, right? Yeah. Not only do you have the weight on there and you're like, you have to get it up. You got all that stretch reflex too. Deadlift is it's from a dead stop. And so just so much suck involved, right? And so much like the your your baseline blood pressure shoots up and and every everything is just strained to the max. And you've got to find that that something inside of you to dig deeper and just keep yeah. pulling. Deadlift, I've always said for me, when my deadlift goes down, it's not a strength thing. It's a I always have to train the mental aspect of deadlift to keep my deadlift up to, to, to acclimate my body and my mind to just fight through the sheer horror of deadlift. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, I guess if we go back to the, all the weird variations of deadlift I've done. I feel like if they do have any kind of benefit, it have to some degree help my mental state. Like when I'm doing all those variations where I don't have like a, I find that if I like, really want to hit like a conventional warrant max or a one rep max on a lift I've trained before. There's a lot of pressure and that can psych me out. Whereas when I do these odd lifts, like I don't know where I'm going to end up and wherever I end up, it's still a PR. So I'm, it's not really any pressure. I'm just going to keep taking hops until it gets really hard and then it's good to go. There's really no uh, like fear there, but doing that with all these deadlift variations, like I do, I've never done axle deadlift from the floor. So I decided one day I was going to do that worked up to 800 pounds, which was at the time. 20 pounds under my conventional rep max. I'm like, you know what? If I can pull an axle at 800, I can do a lot more than 820 on a deadlift bar. So that kind of oh, yeah. like, that was something that was, I didn't have to train my actual, you know, regular barbell deadlift to get that kind of mental benefit. Like I can do this much harder variation at nearly the same amount of weight. And it was the same thing with doing the 900 pound Jefferson. I'd done a few weeks ago, um, two barbell deadlifts. So basically a barbell only sandwiches. Basically the same thing as a low handle trap bar, but it looks cooler. <laughs> but I did that with 435 inch hand. I'm like, well, if I can, you know, just crank up this really ugly 870 pound pole, 
which actually I do back to back because I fucked up my recording the first time. So I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to let this live go without having evidence. So I did it twice in a row. I'm like, if I can do this twice in a row, I can do an easier variation <laughs> with a little bit more weight. So yeah, it's just, there's a lot of benefit in just pushing yourself to bang out these heavy pulls from the floor, just if nothing else, and to build that mental capacity to say, you know what, I can do this because you have to believe that you can pull that bar when you step up to it. If you have doubt, you're not going to pull it. Yeah. So that mental aspect, though, after you've done like an incredible lift and you go and you press stop on your phone <laughs> and you look and you're, it's recording, you're like, ah, oh, I just hit the stop button. Now yeah, but just... It's not the interval because I feel like if I can do it once, I can do it twice, which. Yeah. <laughs> That's also why I approach a lot of my deadlift periods now. Like I don't take big jumps near the end to conserve energy. I take a lot of little jumps and maybe it yeah. kind of kills my top end. But if I know if I just did 30 pounds less and it was not that bad, I can do 30 pounds more. It's like. 3% at this point. Yeah. So I definitely find that if I try and do a big hop, I get psyched out and I fail. But if I do a bunch of little hops, like I've had lots of cluster PRs. Like I think just what every big deadlift PR I've had in the last couple of years has been a cluster PR where I go for a smaller number and it feels super easy. I'm like, well, just keep on going. Just keep on going. And I'll hit like three PRs, bang, bang, bang in a row. Whereas if I try and jump right to a new big number, it didn't go anywhere. I failed. So <laughs> now I just stopped doing that. I'm happy to take these little tiny hops. I found a helpful. I want to recommend a book really quick. Sorry, John, I'll I'll let you go. Just really quick. It came to mind. We were talking about, I mean, uh, listing is, is really mind over matter in a big, big way, right? I mean, you obviously have to be physically strong. There's a huge mental component. And one of my favorite books that actually talks directly about that, that pertains to strongman and powerlifting is Randall Strassen's, uh, Strassen's um, Stronger Minds, right? Randall Strassen is the owner of Iron Mind. Um, Everybody should be familiar with them. So Stronger Minds, check it out. It's a great book. Go ahead, John. Sorry. Oh, no. I was thinking, I like um, what Mark was saying about the smaller jumps because I found, especially in my garage, as like a mental trick I'll do is sometimes like rather than, because for a while I do those plate jumps where it's like you can do a plate jump for a while, but you'll psych yourself out. Whereas mentally, the 30-pound jumps are good because I have 15 pound dumbbells and sometimes if i'm like feeling stressed or like frustrated with the workout i'll actually go over and lift those up and they literally feel like nothing and i'm like i can add this to the bar like this was literally like didn't feel like anything to pick up and i found that that mentally helped sometimes that idea of like because i would do that with running because for a while i got this weird itch in my mind like a few years ago that i was going to run 100 miles in 28 days with like no running experience which was great but i got tendonitis in my hip pretty bad by then <laughs> but it was that mental thing of like i just ran a mile i can run another mile mm-hmm. and like you just kind of build off that but i found that like dumbbell trick really helped me because then it is that mental thing of like especially when you've been deadlifting like your dumbbells don't feel like anything so you can just be like yeah i can add this to the bar but if yeah. you were go to walk over and grab the 45s and stand up with them, you'd actually feel slightly different about that situation. You'd be like, this actually, I don't know if I could add this to that. Yeah, but like, I usually just rationalize yeah. about like the percentage of a jump is like adding 20 or 30 pounds to my delft when it's already in the mid high 800s. That's I like calculate. I'm like, this is a few percent. This is practically a rounding error. If I picked up that last lift, it's not going to feel any different. Just pick up this one. So that, I find it's a lot easier to hit those new PRs if I'm like, okay, I just did basically the same lift before and it was easy peasy versus trying to jump up 50 pounds where it, it feels heavier when you start trying to pull it and you're like, oops, and your brain freaks out and you're like, oh, can't do this. And once you have that little bit of doubt, you know, your lift is done. Yeah, I always find it um, in my experience, I like to jump really quick until probably the last 10%. And then I start taking smaller jumps. Um, but I, it'll never cease to amaze me I don't know how many times I've gone up, like, you know, felt like an easy, an easy lift and went up like, like a percent. Right. And then suddenly just stapled to the floor. <laughs> Cause it can happen when you get close to that. You're either at that hundred percent mark or you're very, very close to it. Um, that little, little bit, it sometimes is hard to overcome, but you know, it's all mm-hmm. part of part of the process. Yeah. I feel like I kind of skipped it. Cause I honestly don't think I ever go really at a hundred percent. And I'm appears like if I, I, I try and shoot for like like 97, 98, like a very hard, heavy lift. But I never try and try and shoot for PRs that I'm not fairly confident about. Because I used to do it all the time. And when you're failing PRs left and right, that's A, not really productive. That's a lot of wasted energy for not much gain. And two, it really kind of hammers away at your mental state. So now I'm just like, you know what? 
I'll put off this PR attempt for a couple of months and under the assumption I'll be that much stronger then it'll be just a almost a sure thing by that point. And having it's been 10 years and what's what's there a few months at this point. Yeah, so I, find I agree. Is not taking cracks at her and be like, okay, this was a really solid, like a really solid hard lift. It's a new PR. I'm just going to stop here. I'm not going to try and squeeze out that last little couple of tens or percents and end up failing because that's just going to, it's, it sucks to fail. If you don't want to yep. fail. I agree. I agree. You know, I've been training for like 18 years and yeah, being young and dumb, I used to fail a lot. And you learn eventually that it's mm -hmm. like quality over quantity is so much better at the end of the day. Walking out of the gym with the feeling of a win, you know, I, I'm a huge advocate. I, I don't anymore. I don't like structured training. I hate periodization for me. Um, it doesn't fit into the dynamic uh, lifestyle that I have. And so if I have a bad day and I, I think this is good for anybody, if things are just not feeling good, just don't go for whatever is prescribed and go and, and do some hypertrophy, do a little conditioning mobility right roll out stretch feel good and walk out of the gym with a with a win rather than pushing yourself to failure and then like you said i mean it, it, it over time that adds up and it just becomes a, a mind fuck and and it hurts your performance in the long run rather than walking out feeling good yeah I, i've absolutely kind of shift my train to when i have my programming for the next block i have a, a small amount of it is the core that i'm like i have to do at least this but past that, like if I'm in a day where I'm just really not feeling it, I used to be like guilty, like I didn't hit my accessories or whatever. Now it's like I'm training basically seven days a week, most weeks. If I have a day where all I do is three sets of some compound lifts, I mean, you know what? I'm done. That's it's still going to work out to a lot more fun than most people are doing in their three or four day splits. So I've become a lot more like, you know, what? if it's a bad day, it's, it's okay to just be done. I'm not going to force myself to half ass some really crappy curls because that's just it doesn't feel good mentally and there's really no point to it. You're not accomplishing anything by doing a half-ass lift. Yeah. Recovery. I, I've been pushing this big time with everybody that is in my circle of influence is recovery is so much more important, right? The, the lifting is the catalyst. Recovery is where all the gains happen. If you're not recovering, if you're not feeling good, just go and take a rest day. It's okay. You're not going to get weaker because you miss training day. You're not going to get weaker. Even if you miss a week, the, the old meathead mentality of if, if I'm not training hard, I mean, from a competitor standpoint specifically, if I'm not training hard every day, somebody else is getting stronger than me, but that has diminishing returns. When you start stagnating, regressing, not recovering, suddenly that, that mindset has put you behind the person you think is training harder than you, right? Yeah, Recovery is so, so important. Like is this a is this a good set I'm about to do? Like you, it's really easy to tell when you're doing sets that you just don't have the energy or the mind for anymore. When you're just kind of going through the motions, and I used to make myself do them, thinking, "Oh, well, if, like, if I got pushed to these sets, there's gonna be value there," but there isn't. Like a, a half-assed set, it doesn't do anything for you. Like before you start a set, like there's been times where I've got everything else up. Like I walk up to the bar, and I'm like. I just don't want to do this right now. It's not going to be a good set. It's going to be very lazy by doing it. I'm not even going to bother doing this. There's no value in doing a crappy, lazy set. Like I know that, that that's the point where just put it away. Just just walk away. And yeah, that's experience. That that's experience talking. You yeah. you and I and John, we all know now that you know we're gonna still go back into the gym and and mm -hmm. you know, I think for for the intermediate to advanced elite athletes, that's that's a good mind uh our perspective to have you know that that not every day is going to be good it's okay to back off it's okay to rest and recover but you know knowing that you're going to be back in the gym when everything turns around um, we've talked about that in the past you know the young the young beginners novices they need that structure it's probably better for them to still go into the gym and push through to build those good habits but but yeah eventually you get to a point and you realize that um less sometimes is more and it's okay to take some rest time back off you know not every day is going to be good especially if you're not um a professional athlete that this is you're, you know you're getting paid to do this and you have nothing but time um <laughs> to rest and recover and eat right and you've got a team behind you um uh, but the vast majority of us have and it's okay to take a little bit of time off and every day is going to be good and it's okay to walk away and I, I do it probably more now than i've ever done and i'm making better gains than i've ever made in my same life. here except for, except for like the first two years that i lifted right i mean every day was like 30 percent gain but you know <laughs>
No, I think that's a, that is a really good point because I think oftentimes there is this mental thing that too, you don't want to mess yourself up in the future by like going to failure just because you have this weird thing of like this Friday, I'm going to do this number because I've seen friends who will do that. You set this big thing and if you miss it, you could actually keep missing it for weeks in a row rather than just saying, Hey, it's probably not in the tank. And also it's funny how many people will talk about like, Oh, you're back for with these odd lifts and everything, but no one ever thinks about like those times where you have people be like, Oh, I didn't care for this set. I was done with the workout, but I forced myself through it. And you're doing these like half-hearted deadlifts just to get the volume out of the way. You're just repping out like, Oh, I had to do two more sets of like this at, at 65%. And you're just like, not even a care in the world. You're just doing it to do it. It's like, that's where these little things can happen. Of like at that point, like what's the point of what you're doing? This close to saying, you know, what? I'm not going to do these deadlift sets because like I have the program <laughs> I'm following right now is one that I've been working on for a few years and I have now since released it so other people can run it. And I'm mostly just kind of doing the deadlifts now because it's in the program I written for other people because they probably should do it even though I really don't need the practice deadlifting. So I'm just kind of doing it because I feel obligated to do what I'm telling other people to do. So usually once I get far into the program, I start getting fatigued in my bulk. I just cut the deadlifts out because they don't do much for me. Now, I was that close to cutting them out before I hurt myself. Like I, I knew it was not going to be a good set, but like, you know, this is like the first week of the program. I'm not going to start changing things now or else I'm a hypocrite of some kind. But really, I should just listen to this. I'll be like, no, no, I don't need deadlift working sets. They don't do much for me. Uh, they're just kind of a waste of my energy. But I didn't listen to that. I just went aside to a half-assed deadlift at 60%, and then, you know, now I have a little injury for next week or two. You live and learn, man. It's mm. it's all part of the experience and the journey. Um, yeah. you know, like I, tell, I tell everybody, you have to make mistakes in order to learn and grow, oh, yeah. right? The most important thing is is that you you learn from those mistakes and you don't repeat them. Hey, you you repeat a few times until it really sinks in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you learn by repetition. You can't learn the first time. That's that'd be too easy. It's like machine learning. You have repetition. to like just. <laughs> I need some more. I need a larger sample size to determine if this is really a bad idea. <laughs> the first four times they were. There's something might have been. Could, could this be a? Could this be a? That's amazing. It's too good. Well, hey guys, we're we're like over an hour now. We like to try to keep these at right about an hour, about an hour and seven minutes. Um, any closing thoughts, Mark? Uh. Where, where can people find you on online? Like, um, give us, give, give everybody, our listeners, uh, uh, a means to find you online and, and follow your, your socials. Uh, you can find me at deadliest lift. I'm not sure if you're watching the video or listening to it, but, uh, at deadliest lift on basically all the platforms. I don't think I have different usernames anywhere. So Instagram is my main one. YouTube is just kind of a video repository. I have a TikTok, but I don't think my content really flies there. But if you want to follow me on TikTok, go for it. It's not really my focus, but you know, go nuts. But yeah, IG's the big one, then YouTube and TikTok if you really want. Awesome. Any last thoughts, John? Uh, no, I think we covered everything there. Great. No, Mark, yeah. it, was a, it was a pleasure having you, man. Mm -hmm. uh, great conversation. Hope to have you back on again in the future. Yeah, if you want me to come back on, I'd be happy to. <laughs> good Hell yeah, we'll be, we'll be following and, and hopefully we'll be talking. All right, sounds good. See you guys later. All right, thanks, y'all. Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook.